0: You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer.
1: A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus.
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing parenting teens and marriage. I'm your host, Ashley Parrish. As always, I'm joined by Jessica Pfeiffer. Hey there. And Dr. Ken Wilgus.
2: Hi, kids.
0: If we've been married for any length of time, we know that marriage is difficult on its own. And having children and teenagers adds extra stress. Am I right, (laughs) Jessica? Yes,
1: absolutely. I knew we were going to have some struggles when our oldest son, Will, was just three weeks old. And my husband asked, when is he going to get his own room? I just want my (laughs) wife back. You know, Charlie's always been better about prioritizing our marriage over the kids, but
0: I've really struggled with it. Dr. Ken, would you say that's common?
2: Absolutely, you can't do good uh, counseling about parenting without running into issues with marriage. Mm -hmm. So now I do a whole lot of focus on marriage, uh, partly because like I say, you can't really talk about parenting issues uh, without getting uh, at some point into important issues with your marriage.
0: And I think as women, it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in mothering. And it becomes kind of our identity. And in some cases, without realizing, an idol. We put our children first.
2: That's mm-hmm. true. It's hard not to do.
1: So, Dr. Ken, you know, we should be transitioning to spending less time caring for the needs of our kids as they get older. But sometimes we have a hard time with this and it takes away from our marriage. What do you think is really going on behind all of this?
2: Well, it's important to think about that most all of us uh, marry uh, on some sense of compatibility. Um, you know, I always say that my wife, I, I thought I was marrying a hot version of me. Like we just <laughs> seem to think alike and, you know, all this stuff. Then it you know, within the first year, uh, virtually everyone discovers the incompatibilities. Uh, but you really can feel that incompatibility in three big areas. In other words, there's three big stressors that uh, do not cause incompatibility. It just dis- it shows the incompatibility you hadn't seen before. And those are uh, children, money, and religion. Those are mm-hmm. big things that both parents usually are invested in. They care about it and are surprised to find that I'm married to someone who is completely wrong about this thing. And that's when it really first shows uh, how well do you do as a couple at bridging a gap of real differences in how you see this important thing. So that's where parenting comes in. Parenting doesn't cause marriage problems. Uh, Parenting reveals incompatibilities in marriage.
0: Dr. Kinn, what are some practical ways though we can make marriage a priority.
2: Most parents know that by now, but I can't emphasize it enough that it is, for example, not good for children to have a sense that uh, I am closer to my mother or my father than they are to each other. That's That makes it particularly difficult at the end of childhood to feel comfortable leaving. Uh, it's good for teenagers to hear parents saying, Dude, don't you have something to do this weekend? Uh, your mom and I are kind of hoping to spend some time alone. Ew, dad, gross. But mm-hmm. that signals that we'll be fine when you're gone. Uh, when you have an overly enmeshed relationship, say with your mother, for example, and you have this gut sense that uh, without me, she doesn't really have the emotional support she needs, uh, then that's not good for your kids. So, so maintaining your marriage isn't just for you, and it's certainly not selfish. It's good for your children. And so the trick is, Ashley was getting at, is how do you maintain that priority? Right. And and usually, especially with small children, uh, it's maintaining the re- awareness that spending time alone without these little children uh, is a priority. And that's easier said than done.
1: You know, you were speaking a little earlier about... A- parent-child relationship that might be too closely enmeshed. And it's hard for the child to leave thinking that they're going to leave their parent at a loss emotionally. But I've also experienced and heard um, from other parents that they're actually very jealous of the relationship that their spouse has with a child, which can cause a lot of fracture between, of course, the spouses and then, of course, the parent that's being left out between their child. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good example. That's that's not as common, but it, it's not infrequent. Now, you know, on one level, I can remember uh, my wife and I, uh, when the kids were different stages, uh, it was kind of a joke, uh, who was this week's favorite, and, and you're in, you're out. Like, I can remember uh, <laughs> Sally going into, I think, our middle daughter's room when she was, I don't know, five or six and doing going to do the usual goodnight thing. And she said, I-, I want daddy. And so Sally walked out and I kind of gave it the old fist bump. You're out. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so it's always a little bit funny to think about, oh, wow, you're now the the prior or the, the favored one. But when it becomes a, a actually a resentment issue, that's, again, another sign of, hey, we're not being each other's main person. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be jealous that I want to be uh, as close to this child as you are uh, probably speaks back to, look, these kids will, at different points, not like us, especially when they're adolescents. Mm-hmm. And a, a strong marriage is one of the best ways to survive that. It doesn't matter who's the sort of priority and who isn't. The other possibility, though, when you talk about a kid that strongly favors the other may often reveal uh, where one parent may be seeming to be the heavy and the other parent is perceived as the it's usually Disney dad is what I always got accused of. And in those cases, uh, that that requires some real discussion between the parents of uh, do I feel do we feel like we're a team here? Do I feel like I'm carrying all of this and this other parent just drops in? Either way, it it recommends something. When you're resentful of the other parent's closeness, it tells you that you need to spend more time uh, on dates really talking through some stuff.
1: So personalities, of course, and priorities and our own life experiences really taint and change the the way we parent. And they can lead to some significant um, disagreements and differences. So how do we talk about those? How do we open the conversation with our spouse to um, kind of get on the same page.
2: That comes up a bunch. You know, if you were sort of two, you and your spouse were two professional babysitters, let's say, that happened to be on the same shift working with this group of children, you would actually probably do a better job uh, and have fewer weird complications than you do as parents. Because mm-hmm. married parents are married people. That means that you can't uh, talk through these differences like background and so forth Simply as parents, bringing out your favorite parent book or something you read and try to argue who knows better about what we should be doing. uh, That never goes anywhere. You have to always remember that you're talking to your husband or his husband is talking to his wife. And the way that married people talk together is a significant thing people have to learn in how to resolve differences. And and that's not a parenting thing. That's when you get into marriage stuff. So, for Mm -hmm. example, it is critical that husbands, in general, understand that it is extremely important to his wife that whatever our difference is, she really needs to know that he has heard and listened, asked questions, and really wants to know all that she is concerned about and gets her, like knows, it's important that she feels like he's really listened to her. That's Mm -hmm. not unimportant to husbands, but it's not, their priority is more like, am I being respected here? Does she appreciate, yeah, I'm not here as much as you are, but, but do you appreciate that when I do come in, I'm trying to – so there's these different sensitivities that mm-hmm. married people have to know how to talk and kind of help each other out with this. That's the thing I did not know when I was first married, that mm-hmm. my wife needs my help or responds much better when I am good at making sure she feels connected to me. That Mm -hmm. whatever I'm saying doesn't sound, you know, no parent likes when another parent changes a decision or makes a decision without consulting the other. Mm -hmm. But man, mothers hate that. That Mm -hmm. is really scary. Like I thought we were connected. So that's that kind of thing. Dads, on the other hand, need to be felt basically reinforced that they are competent. No, no parent likes to be corrected by the other parent in front of the children. But mm-hmm. dads hate that mm-hmm. because it, it, they're sensitive to the feeling of I think you're talking to me like I'm incompetent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a wife can help her husband feel competent by saying, look, I'm not saying you never do this and you're you're certainly a good father. But and then she says the thing that she's concerned about. You see what I mean? And he is careful to say, well, wait a minute, I I know I differ, but I don't. Do I understand what you're saying? Tell me again why you're concerned about that. And listen to her and try to make sure she gets it that you've really heard. Those are, again, sensitivities that that marriage tends to bring out. And husbands and wife have to take that into account. Because if you just go talking to each other like you're two clinical babysitters – with different information, uh, that's when you just look ridiculous. It gets mm-hmm. really heated. You really hurt each other uh, without trying, but you really hurt each other's feelings. And that's all about your marriage, not parenting.
1: You know, my kids know our differences, and we don't always do a really great job of being united. You know, sometimes we disagree right in front of them. Um, Hmm. They manipulate us to get what they want. They know which parent to ask. Usually it's me. (laughs) (laughs) And it can be very divisive and cause a lot of frustration in our marriage. So how do we stop this with each other, but also with our kids?
2: You can punish them for it if they're actively trying to split you. Like, I already got a no from this parent, so I went to the other parent. You can absolutely, when you discover that, go, oh, okay, you know what that's called? That's called splitting, and we found out you did it, so give me your phone. I mean, you can can do that. But Mm -hmm. on the other hand, it is not the same as expecting the child. To bridge this gap for you. That would sound more like, yes, I know your mother said you could go to the movie, but you know full well you have to ask me also. That's, that's asking too much of the child. The parents have to come to agreement, especially for teenagers, because teenagers don't really uh, like our limits anyway. And when one of you tends to be more acceptable to me doing stuff and the other isn't, then they're really going to increase their uh, in resentment of the Dr. No parent Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and really think, you know, the other one is the more reasonable of the two. So you really have to talk through those differences. And again, that gets back to talking like married people. Dads have a really bad habit of when he thinks there's a consistent disagreement with his wife. He doesn't want to argue about it. So he just gets real passive. And, and that only makes her feel like I'm alone in this. And he mm-hmm. thinks he's helping by, well, what do you want me to do, make a big argument about it? No, we go to dinner and we pull out our little notebook and we say, all right, all right. So you actually think it's okay for them to play games that much? Tell me why and, uh, and let me hear what you think. You have to come to those agreements. And a lot of times those discussions are what I call, tell me what you fear and I'll tell you what I fear. If mm-hmm. we let them do this thing, I'm afraid that if we allow this, then she will fill in the blank. And then his answer is, okay, I get that. But my thought is that if we restrict this thing, my fear is that she'll... And so you come to an agreement together as a couple, not uh, sort of winning who knows better about parenting mm-hmm. uh, so that you can then present a unified front to your to your kids. They need to see that. It's really important that you do that.
0: I know sometimes for Brett and I, if one of our kiddos or our teen asks us can I go here or can I spend the night with so-and-so or can I attend this game I'll say my first response will be let me talk to dad what are the details right so then they'll know that you know like we're going to discuss it together and then I'll give you an answer right Mm -hmm. that's been really helpful especially in nipping nipping it in the bud, them splitting us and dividing us. And I asked dad, it didn't go over well. So I'm going to ask mom and see what she says. Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: But it's also funny that the kids are amazingly uh, observant. So I've known some parents that if mom says, wait, I'll talk to your dad, that means no, because otherwise (laughs) she will sometimes say, sure, go ahead. Here's the other thing you don't do is the dad that goes, what's okay with me? Let me check with your mom. Okay. Now he's already passed his vote. And now we know who. So Mm -hmm. the way you're saying it is the best way to do it as best you can, because I guarantee you, they take little mental notes. I've had kids where the parents say, I don't know, let me talk to your dad. And they go, oh, rats. And you're like, wait a minute. I said, no, I know what that means. And they're often right. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. yeah, you really pay attention. Ours
0: doesn't necessarily mean that. It just... We're such a large family. We've got so many things going on. I just want to make sure dad didn't have a plan for tonight or something didn't come up with his work or, you know, that usually it doesn't, it doesn't always mean no. It's just one way for us to keep our large family on the
2: same page. Mm -hmm. And the funny, the other thing to think about is that in the case where your spouse, actually you find out that he or she has okayed a thing Mm -hmm. without checking with you. The best way to handle that is to pretend to the kid like, yep, I knew that, I'm cool with that, and then deal with that in private. I can't believe you said yes to that. I really need you to ask me about that later. But mm-hmm. believe it or not, even in that circumstance, I think you you present a unified front. There's no benefit in showing that. I, I know that your dad said it was okay, but let me let me just tell you that that, that doesn't help anything. That's about your marriage. Uh, and, again, it's actually easier for your kid if you say, yep, I was okay with that.
1: That's really good because I don't tend to do that. I tend to like march back in there with the kid and say, what do you mean? You said yes, they can go. <laughs> I know. That's
2: one of those <laughs> advice that if you can do it about half the time, you're doing better than most. Because yes. Yeah, they can usually tell that I'm like, okay, I didn't like that, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what
1: am
2: I going to do about it now? Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: That's good.
0: So we all know couples that have stayed together for the sake of the kids and then divorced once they were empty nesters. So once the kids graduated from high school, then mom and dad are filing for divorce. Dr. Ken, how do we avoid this with our own marriage?
2: Well, a couple of things. Number one, good or bad news, that's fading. Uh, Couples that tell me, uh, I'm done with this marriage. I'm waiting the next six years until our youngest is out. I I tell them, you know what? You're not going to do that. I mean, I think that used to be more capable of a middle 20th century couple, but I mean, just to be honest, we expect to be satisfied now, and people often fail at that. Uh, That's really a path to infidelity uh, for a lot of people. But number two, the obvious other more important part is, is that any good for your kids? And that gets back to what we've been talking about, is that the waiting until the kids leave is something that children can sense, and it's not good Mm -hmm. for them. It's hard enough to live with a spouse that you know doesn't like you. That's really hard. But to do that and then not reach out to at least with one kid that you feel some company, some connection to is very hard not to do. And it's really bad for your kid. So with adolescence, the parent that does most of the on the ground uh, disciplining, usually a mother, is going to really have a hard time with laying down a consequence that's going to cause this teenager to pretty much not like you for about two days. Three days. You know, I've had many a parent that's like, I know, I know, I know I need to do that. But, but why is she so mad at me? Why can't we just, she needs that relationship because yeah. otherwise she's alone. That, and that makes you, again, that's not uh, this noble thing of waiting. That makes you a really bad parent because you haven't dealt with your marriage while it's uh, going on. And there's really no reason for that. You'd need to deal with your marriage while you're raising your children. And mm-hmm. so uh, that kind of, I'm out of here, but not physically out of here. That's that's a, a false front that my, almost every child n- can sense that. It's not good for them. It's not good for you. Fix your marriage.
0: Well, as we're wrapping up, give us some practical, just bullet point things that we can do as parents raising these teens. So when we come out on the other end, we are still in love. We still like each other. And we still want to... Live our lives together. Give us some bullet points.
2: All right. Number one, uh, schedule time together as parents. At least um, once or twice a month date time. And going to Home Depot to look for color paint color is not a date time. Uh, (laughs) So you go do something together kind of like you might have done. Going to a movie isn't good either. That's what you do with a girl you don't know very well. You go to dinner. You go take a walk. You do something to spend time together. Schedule that. That is Mm -hmm. Crucial, and I'm telling you, at the age of, like, your kids, Ashley, I totally understand how impossible that can seem. I hear it all the time from couples. But schedule those times. The other time that you need to also have is about five to seven times a week, a check-in time where there's no screen, and you and your spouse are basically saying, so how are you, how am I, and how are we? And we just take a brief 20 minutes, 30 minutes to talk about the day and how We're doing so that you can adjust on those little irritating things like, well, okay, here's the thing yesterday when you said you were going to call me and you didn't. I got to tell you that bugged me. So you can talk through those things so they don't build up all the time. So that's number one is take those two, take time together, dates and the daily check in time. Uh, Number two, I think it's also very important that you talk through differences, not as competing parenting experts. But as a spouse, uh, talk to your husband and take care of his silly little sensitivity to feeling like he's incompetent. Help him to feel competent while you share your concern. And husbands, absolutely talk to your wife and help her to make sure that she knows she's connected to you and that you are wanting to hear what's in her. That's how married people talk together. So those are two very important things. And then lastly, and people usually know this, make sure your children see this. Make sure that your children see uh, the connection between you. uh, Make sure that you talk about each other. You know, everybody, I think mom needs a break here. I'm telling you, it's hard for her. And I think we should, so that they know that my dad is concerned about and trying to take care of my mom and having mom, again, don't overdo this, but you know, I think we should take a moment and give dad a round of applause because he's (laughs) trying to do something that just builds each other up and your children see you impacting each other. So that you can, and this is the last thing I'll tell you, is that you're also, you're parenting them, you're raising them, but you're also preparing them for their marriage. And they need to see, does my dad know how to help my mom feel better? Does he have impact on her? And does my mom trust my dad and want to be with him? Those are just things you can't make up. They, they need to see it so they can prepare for their marriage.
1: Oh, I thought that list was excellent. I'm looking forward to implementing some of that in my own life. I feel like life is busy and full, and sometimes our marriages fall to the bottom of the priority list, and that Mm. is not at all what we intend, usually. It just happens out of neglect, and uh, this conversation has helped me to see that I need to prioritize this. I want most of all for my kids to leave my home knowing that their mom and dad loved them but loved each other. And so I hope that they can take that into their own marriages. Thank you very much for talking today. I appreciate you both.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding Them Out. We appreciate you and would love to
1: hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at